What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Mookie Finance Show podcast. Today's episode, we're going to be recording live here in the new place. And I want to talk to you guys about trying to eliminate shortcuts in investing. I think in this day and age where everybody is talking about the next big thing that's going to make them a million bucks, whether it's Dogecoin to the moon or Shibu Inu coin or GameStop, AMC, I mean, all these YouTube analysts um, who have been investing for the past six months, they know the secret to becoming rich. And unfortunately, uh, people that listen to that kind of advice usually end up on the wrong side. They end up losing all of their money. And uh, just as quickly as they thought they were going to get rich, they actually became a broker. Now, I don't want to come off as a hater. I think uh, a lot of the stuff that I post on social media now, especially Instagram, uh, you guys know I like to push buttons. I like to really challenge people's theses on what they're investing because I think it's very important. If you're going to be a long-term investor, you need to have a thesis for what you're in and what your strategy is. So uh, I think a lot of the times I get to really exploit that with people who are newer investors because they really got into investing Maybe because they heard somebody else say, this is what I need to be in. This is uh, the next big thing or this is how you invest. So a funny story here is before we get into the actual topic, this story is kind of on topic uh, about uh, not looking for shortcuts in investing. But I recently was speaking to a family member who is uh, basically buying up a lot of different altcoins here in the cryptocurrency space. So he's got uh, Shibu Inu, Safe Moon. Uh, I mean... I don't know. Maybe he's even got Monkey Coin. I'm trying to launch Monkey Coin. If there is somebody out there who knows how to uh, create a cryptocurrency, uh, I'm all on board. Let's go. Ticker symbol MOKI. Uh, let's start at like, I don't know, six one hundred six one thousandths of a penny. Uh, that's a good start. And then, you know, we'll launch it. But, you know, he's investing in all these different altcoins, you know, purchasing a couple hundred bucks and saying, well, you know, here's a hundred bucks. Here's five hundred bucks. Whatever happens, happens. You know, it's 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 my lottery ticket, if you will. That to me is looking for a shortcut in investing because what happens, and I mean, I know what's going to happen, but let's say even what happens if one of those lottery tickets checks off a box and it wins and let's say you're up now half a million dollars. Well, what's going to happen is you took a shortcut to go from a hundred bucks to half a million um, you do not have the same mindset as a investor that started at 100 bucks and built his way year after year to half a million. Those are two different mindsets. And what typically happens, I'm not saying this will happen for everybody, but the majority of people, when they get into wealth quickly, they fall out of wealth quickly because they took a shortcut to attain this piece of wealth As quickly as that shortcut uh, got them there, it's going to get them faster to losing it because they don't know how to handle money. It's a a basic principle thing. So anyways, if if one of these lottery coins, for example, hits, and let's say my cousin now is worth $6 million, that, first of all, would be the greatest thing in the world. I'd be extremely happy for him, and I would pitch my money management services to him and say, hey, listen, you got $6 million. But in index funds, you know what's going to happen. You know what I'm going to pitch him, right? But let's just say he gets that $6 million, right? Well, here's the thing. 
the human mind works. It's, it's man, it's such a magical, mystical thing. But the way the human mind works is we sort of feed on momentum and we feed a little bit on greed. I'm not saying people are greedy. Uh, we all have a little bit of greed inside us, right? Like if I, if I put my money in small cap value and it does really well, there's a little bit of a greed in me that says, oh man, I wish I would have put more because I could have gotten this much more. You know what I mean? So here's the here, here's the scenario that I'm playing in, out in my head. And this is exactly what happens to people all the time is, and you can go on uh, Reddit's and you can see people's portfolio where, you know, they make a couple of mil and then they're broke the next week. So greed kicks in. And instead of just saying, okay, I'm happy with the five, six million I have, I'm going to sell this off. Oh, half of it to taxes, whatever the case may be, put the other half in something of a traditional index fund that tracks the S and P or the total stock market. And I'm just going to live off the dividends. That's what I would want people to do. But, but because somebody took a shortcut to get to this stage, what they're going to usually end up doing is they're going to say, Man, if I can only get 12 million, I'll be f- paying the taxes with these gains. I'll be perfectly fine because here's the thing, right? I mean, all these shortcuts to investing lead to short-term gains. So, you're going to owe taxes and short-term taxes are about 30% plus wherever state you live in, they might have income tax on short-term capital gains most states do, where it drives the ca- the capital gains tax somewhere to 40-50%. So, most people will say, well, if I can only let it run for another six, seven million, I'll have enough in the new gains to cover the taxes. And yes, that's a, a logical way to think, and I understand, but it's also a greedy way to think because what happens usually is investments that skyrocket, investments that go up 10,000% in one month are investments that will go down 10,000% the next month. If every single investment was this easy to find that goes up 10,000%, guys, we'd have freaking trillionaires walking this planet. Why do you think we do not have trillionaires walking on this planet? Because this stuff doesn't happen this fast. And my biggest problem with people that are getting into the crypto space, and again, it's not even so much... Uh, the bitcoins, the ethereums, the you know the legitimate cryptos in my mind. I, I'm not saying there is no space for cryptos. What I'm saying is, guys, do not think that you can take a shortcut to this stuff. You can cut everybody in line and you can go straight to the top. And then honestly, do not think that you can stay at the top because there is no shortcut when it comes to investing. The way you become wealthy, the way you build wealth is you do it slowly consistently over time in the proper investment vehicles. So I want to go over some examples of what are not proper investment vehicles. Now you can get angry with me. You can fight me on this. Guys, it's your money. If you think that I'm wrong, do whatever you want. I'm just sharing my story. I'm sharing how I build wealth. That does not mean the way I do it is the absolute right way. I'm human just like you. I make mistakes, but I know of ways not to build wealth. So here's the first one. The first one I've already kind of touched on, but making the majority or even making 20% of your portfolio a crypto portfolio, you will not build wealth that way. Previous to crypto, people used currencies or gold or silver 
commodities to hedge against a stock market crash or to hedge against inflation. And people made these things 5%, 3% because it is not a sustainable way to build wealth. It's a hedge against something. The sustainable way to build wealth is to invest in the stock market, invest in businesses. I want you to think of stock market as multiple businesses out there that are actually producing stuff that are generating revenue. They have a way to measure their intrinsic value. You can say, okay, Apple put out this much and this is how much it's worth. Gold has no intrinsic value, right? Because it's worth whatever the next person is willing to pay for it. There is no way you can calculate a book value on something that doesn't produce anything. Just like a bond, for example. A bond doesn't produce anything. It just pays you interest to be held with whoever the bond issuer is. It does not produce anything physical. Neither does crypto. So having anything more than 5%, for for my sake, is 5%. I have zero in crypto. But let's say I was somebody who did believe in this stuff. Just thinking on a broader scale of how am I going to build wealth, having a portfolio that's heavy in crypto is not a way to build wealth. It's a way to build volatility in your life, and it's potentially a way to crush any type of future aspirations you have because something that can change 25% in value overnight is not something that you should use to build wealth. It's just not. So cryptocurrencies is one thing. Commodities is another thing. You should not be trading lumber. You should not be trading corn. You should not be trading futures or anything. You should not have a lot invested in precious metals. The reason being is Everybody wants to talk about these types of investments, usually when there's a market crash. Well, how often does a market crash occur? Well, it occurs once every five to seven years, okay? So usually in a 10-year period, you have two bad years out of 10. So for eight years, the market is just going up and up and up to higher grounds. But for those two years, there's so much panic in the human psyche that they bring out investments out of the woodshed. They bring out these uh, precious metals, these commodities, and they say, this needs to be you know, 20% of your portfolio because look what can happen. Guys, that's nonsense. Because if you look at the price of gold, the price of gold and this last bull run has been going down. So if you had 20% in an alternate investment like gold, you would have been losing money. So whatever the stock market would have made you would have wiped out those gains because you put 20% into gold. You have to understand there's opportunity cost involved. Every time you deploy a dollar into something that's not making you money or has the potential to not make you money over the long term, this is all long-term talk. Anytime you deploy a dollar to something that cannot make you money, You are taking away so much future growth from that dollar. So this is why it's very important and this is why I I preach from the very beginning. Don't waste your time in different fads of investing. Get to the right one, the one that's going to build wealth and start plugging away every single dollar as fast as you can. 
because those dollars will then go into the world and multiply and do some amazing things. But more, more on that later. So precious metals, commodities is not a way to build wealth. It's an alternative you can have in your portfolio if you want to hedge against something, but you'd be hedging against a losing bet. So don't do it. Bonds are the next one. I personally don't own any bonds. I do have a cash position, but I don't own any bonds. I'm not against owning bonds. Bonds have a place in a portfolio, but they have a place for a specific person. One person that I can think of is a person who's risk adverse, a person who has a smaller risk capacity or risk tolerance than some someone like me who's 31 years old. If you're 65 years old, you can't invest like I can. You've either built your wealth by now. If you haven't, you are done with a wealth building phase. You're done. You're trying to wind down your life. You're trying to enjoy retirement. You have no options to be 100% in stocks, in my opinion, because it's way too risky to do that. That's where bonds get introduced. But if you're someone who's a 20-year-old, someone who's a 30-year-old, now, I don't, 40-year-old is on the border. It's up to you on your risk tolerance. Uh, for I can't speak on that. But 20 and 30-year-olds, you have no business being in bond funds because these things appreciate over time at about 2 to 3, sometimes 4, and a best-case scenario, 5% a year. Think about the opportunity cost. You put your money into a bond fund. It appreciates basically if you cut the appreciation in half. So if you put it in a stock market fund, 7 to 10%, put in a bond fund, 3 to 5%. So you just cut the appreciation in half. You just doubled the time it took to get to the building wealth stage. But people do this all the time. They try to take a shortcut and they say, well, somebody I spoke to actually recently said, well, the stock market is overvalued. I'm going to go 100% in bonds. I'm going to wait for the crash and I'm going to buy back in. That is taking a shortcut. Yes, the stock market is overvalued, but this isn't the first time the stock market's been overvalued. It's not going to be the last time. It's not our job to study the stock market and figure out exactly at what point it's going to crash because that stuff is for headline news. That's not for real investing. Real investing says I put my money in every single month. I put in lump sums when I have the cash and I close my eyes and I don't look at it. That's real investing. Moving on. So let's actually recap before I move on. So here we go. Cryptocurrencies, not a way to build wealth. Just taking a shortcut. Commodities, gold, precious metals, any of that stuff, not a way to build wealth. That's trying to take a shortcut. Timing the market and jumping into 100% bonds or back to 100% stocks, not a way to build wealth. You're taking a shortcut. Now let's move on to a controversial topic that some people will argue with me on. That's all right. Picking individual stocks. The reason people pick individual stocks is because they think they could do it better and more efficiently than the actual stock market. So here's an example. S&P 500 last year produced something like 19% or 16%. I don't remember the exact numbers. The average investor thinks they can do better than that. So they're going to go ahead and buy individual stocks. They might buy 
SPACs, they might buy growth stocks, they might buy dividend stocks. I don't know what stocks you're buying, but you think you can do better. And lo and behold, you put together a portfolio of a bunch of penny stocks and you freaking return 100% in a year. You doubled your money in one year. While the S&P 500 did 16%. And you feel like a genius. And that is the worst thing that can happen to you. Because what you just did is you took a shortcut. The stock market typically doubles every five to seven years. You just did it in one year. You think you're a genius. Well, the problem with that is... If you invest in a lot of speculative stuff, that's what you get. You get 100% a year. You also get a negative 100% per year. This goes both ways, okay? So you can make 100% and then lose that entire 100% all within a year because you took a shortcut. The second problem is if the fund managers and institutional managers who are professionals who do this for a living day in, Day out, they go to the office, they analyze reports, they study the stock market. If only one out of three fund managers can beat the stock market at any given point, what makes you think that you, who has done zero research, who has heard about a stock from a friend or has gone on these online forums and read stock picks or read what the next hot stock is, what makes you think you will outperform a professional fund manager? You're not going to do it. You're taking shortcuts. And that shortcut's going to hurt you. But here's the other problem that I have. Let's say you get that 100% in one year. You now have a portfolio, let's say, of $2,000. You're managing this portfolio of $2,000 a lot differently than somebody who's managing a portfolio of, say, $200,000. I can't afford for my portfolio to drop 3% in one day. Do you know the reason why? If my portfolio drops 3% in one day, I lose over $10,000 that day. I can't personally handle that volatility. If your $2,000 portfolio drops 3% in one day, You lose 60, 70 bucks and you think you can handle it. But as soon as your portfolio value starts to grow, you will realize that there is no way that that type of volatility is going to be sustainable or a good way to build wealth. It's impossible. The other point that I want to take home today is if you guys have just recently watched the video that I put out, it's a dividend growth video and I'm basically saying, well, this idea on YouTube that dividend growth investing is a viable investment strategy to build wealth long-term is a bunch of cow poo-poo. I showed you guys in that video multiple examples of ETFs and individual stocks that have underperformed the market. And because this type of strategy is being pushed long-term, long-term underperformance to the market, trying to take these different shortcuts is going to cost you hundreds, if not thousands of dollars in the long run. Not to mention the man hours that you have to put into a lot of these strategies. Not to mention 
the physical stress and toll this is going to take on your mind, your soul, your body. People that are invested in individual stocks and cryptocurrencies, these people are glued to their portfolios. They know what's happening with their portfolios by the minute, sometimes by the second. That to me is insane. That's not what investing is. And I can stand here and call out any type of investment, and I'll tell you if it's an investment or if it's not. And yes, most recently I have been going on social media, Instagram. I've created a Twitter just to tell people this is not an investment. Yes, I've pissed people off, but I don't care. I speak from the truth. I speak from personal experience. Guys, I've tried countless and countless and countless of strategies in my five years in investing. And I'm here five years into the future now, ready to report that index investing is the only strategy that's easily managed for the long term, that builds wealth over time, and that keeps wealth over time. Now, I also get a lot of questions about different index funds, trying to take shortcuts by maybe being in a growth fund that outperforms the S&P over the last 10 years by 3%. It's not a good idea. If you're looking at a fund, for example, let's say the NASDAQ, because that one I get a lot, uh, FNCMX or 1Q or QQQ, the NASDAQ has outperformed the S&P by about 2.5%. But it's only done it, the outperformance side, basically for the last year and a half. Uh, take, take the last year, the, the half out. It's done it for the last year. Previous to that, if you go from 2000 to 2021, the NASDAQ and the S&P have the same exact return, 6.27%. But people see that the NASDAQ has returned 40% in one year while the S&P did 16. And they think the NASDAQ is going to do better. That's precisely the shortcuts that I'm talking about. Because the following year, the NASDAQ is probably going to underperform the S&P 500. Because what goes up must come down. Reversion to the mean. It's a simple investing principle. And it works just like principle of gravity works. We're not floating in the air because of gravity. And funds won't continue to outperform because of reversion to the mean. The first shall be last. And of course, the last shall be first. Well, that's it, guys. That's all I have on this podcast episode. I really thought it was important for me to come on here and talk to you guys about Shortcuts in investing. There is no such thing as a shortcut in investing. There is no such thing as building wealth the easy way. You got to be out there grinding every single day, putting money away into investment vehicles that will continue to produce results for the next 20, 30, 40 years. Don't put your money in stuff that might not be around in the next 20, 30, 40 years. Hey guys, if you haven't, done so already, please, please leave me a review on the Apple podcast side. I'm actually going to check that right now. 
because I did promise that I was going to read a review for anybody that left it. So I'm going to go ahead and take a look at our reviews here just to see if there's any comment. And I promise you if there is, I will be the first one to read it. All right. So, so far, I don't see anybody leaving a review. So, guys, if you still want yours read, go ahead and give me a rating and leave a review. I'd really appreciate it. So far, we only have eight ratings. Um, it's very difficult for my podcast to go out there and uh, be pushed out into the into the mainstream with such a small rating. So that's really the only system. That's the only algorithm uh, that allows my podcast to grow. Again, I provide this information free of charge. I just ask that you guys just support me in return uh, to really help uh, drive this stuff because it does take time for me to put this together, to edit it. And while, yes, I do uh, enjoy doing this stuff, I think it is uh, important to know that when you trade your time and you put so much effort into something, it's better uh, to know that uh, there is a reward on the other end. It doesn't have to be a monetary reward for me. I'll be happy just knowing that people are listening and are engaging with the podcast. That's why I ask for the reviews and the ratings. Uh, I don't get a lot of statistics on the podcast that tells me how many people I've reached uh, and things like that. So it's uh, important that I kind of still know that I'm uh, putting in this time and actually reaching an audience. Well, thank you guys so much. And as always, remember, move obstacles, keep investing.